Since the Savior found me, pardon all my sin, I have had the joy and living up within. Gone is all the shame and sorrow of the past. There underneath the precious blood of Christ that last. Save, 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 I'm happy on the way. Save, 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 I love him for each day. Save, 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 and always mighty charm. Save the king. Since the Savior found me, all to him I own. For his precious blood has washed me white as snow. Now the condemnation, happy as can be. I'm glad that Jesus justifies and sets me free. Save, 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 I'm happy on the way. Save, 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 the love the Lord each day. Save, 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 I know he's mighty charm. Saves and keeps and sanctifies me by his power. Good evening. We'd like to welcome you to the evening fellowship hour from the Altoona Bible Church. It is always our prayer that you will be encouraged and challenged through the service, through the message, through the singing of these hymns. And we pray that you have a happy and a Christ-centered Christmas. And while we're going to continue singing some of your favorite Christmas carols and Christmas hymns, and we just pray that you're blessed through this, John's going to come back and lead us in the singing of hymn 103, Thou Did Leave Thy Throne. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. Heaven's arches rang when the angels sang. Thy voice. 
voice call me home, saying, yet there is room, there is room at my side for thee. And my heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. Amen. Just love these Christmas carols, these songs of, uh, that we've sung for many, many years from a child on up. We're going to continue singing them tonight. We're going to sing Angels from the Realms of Glory, hymn number 108. Angels from the Realms of Glory. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. to be filled with worship, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, who's now in glory for us, but uh, worshiping him day by day with our lives, the things that we do, the things that we say, the places we go, should be a continuous witness to all that Christ has done for us. At this time, Cheryl Hamm is going to join us on the organ, and she's going to play uh, the song, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear.
Amen. Sure, all that was beautiful. Uh, let's uh, continue singing together. Gentle Mary laid her child on page, or hymn uh, 119. Gentle Mary laid her child. Gentle Mary laid her child lowly in a manger. There he lay the undefiled to the world a stranger. Such a babe in such a place, can he be the Savior? As the saved of all the race, who have found his sang about his birth, wise men sought and found him, heaven's stars shone brightly forth, glory all around him, favorite saw the wondrous sight, heard the angels singing, all the plains were lit that night, all the hills were time we're going to sing uh, the, the short uh, sort of praise uh, song, Jesus Came From Heaven. Christmas bells are ringing, happy children singing, Jesus came from heaven, Jesus came from heaven, Christmas bells are ringing, happy children singing. So how many of you remember singing that as a kid, maybe in a Sunday school, or uh, yeah, you had the little bells and you, you shook those little things? Brings back some uh, fond memories of as, as, as a child, or maybe as you saw your children or grandkids or something doing that uh, here in the lot too distant past. Let's sing that again. Christmas bells are ringing, happy children singing, Jesus came from heaven, Jesus came from heaven. Christmas bells are ringing, happy children singing. Jesus, baby Jesus, was born on Christmas Day. Amen. We're going to continue singing with hymn number 113, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, let nothing you Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were thought astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. 
of comfort and joy, and uh, I like that one passage there, so we need, to, we need to embrace each other in brotherly love. At this time of year, we think about that, and you know, Christmas we just had, and, and uh, it's, uh, we need to keep that, that love and that joy, that, uh, that giving spirit alive in our hearts throughout this coming year, uh, just not too long from now. You know, 2020 will be done pretty soon, so we're pretty excited about that, I think, so. Anyways, at this time, Cheryl Hellman is going to come play on the piano for us, a medley. Oh, come let us adore him, and he is exalted.
Amen, Cheryl. Thank you uh, for that beautiful number. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles then to the book of Philippians. Philippians uh, chapter number 1. And here in Philippians chapter number 1, I'd like to read verses 1 down through verse number 3. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through verse number 3 is we're going to begin a, a new series. And we're going to be talking about and going through the epistle to the Philippians to the city at Philippi, which is in Macedonia, the northern part of Greece at the time. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So we're going to begin looking at this great epistle. And if you're watching on TV or watching through Facebook and the Internet, if you're listening over the radio, I'll just say what we're just putting on the screen. As we begin this study, I am encouraging each of you who are listening or watching to begin reading through the epistle to the city of Philippi, the, the epistle of Philippians. If you have any questions as you go through your own personal reading, please contact me here at the Altoona Bible Church. Or if you have questions as we go through this study, and again, this study is not necessarily going to be verse by verse, but we want to go through this uh, tremendous, tremendous epistle. So I just encourage you to begin reading when you talk about the book of Philippians and by way of introduction to this uh, study, the book of Philippians itself only has four chapters. It has some 104 verses and it has 2,160, 2160 uh, words. So keep that in mind as you look through this that I would encourage you to begin uh, reading this epistle this epistle. And so th this is just by way of introduction. Now what we want to talk about and give you some background to this uh, city. The city of Philippi was founded in 357 BC by Philip of Macedon. And this Philip was the father of one you would know, Alexander the Great. Philippi was located approximately 700 miles to the east of Rome. And what we also see is that Philippi was a colony of Rome. So they, these individuals enjoy full citizenship and privileges of Rome. And that's why over in Philippians chapter 3, they would really understand in verse 20 when it talks about that our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about the three missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. You had these three missionary journeys, and you can see, or we'll, we'll tell you, and this is from Acts 13 over to about Acts chapter 20. And what you see in these journeys is, in the first journey, we'll put this on the screen in a moment, the Apostle Paul is going through the area, and you will see Antioch of Pisidia, you'll see the issue of Phrygia and some other places, Galatia, the, the, those places is really e equivalent to modern-day Turkey. Then he is going in his second missionary journey. He's going to go to Philippi. We will explain that. He's going to cross the Aegean Sea and go to the northern part of Greece and then come down to what is called the Caia, 
the issue there. We'll talk about a little bit about that. And then there'll be the third missionary journey. And again, this basically covers from Acts 13. That's where Paul begins his missionary journeys all the way over to Acts chapter 20. And we'll talk about those uh, seven uh, last uh, chapters of the book of Acts. So here, those who are watching at home, you can look on the screen and you can see that first missionary journey. He goes to Cyprus and then he goes north into Pamphylia. He goes into Antioch of Pisidia. He goes over to uh, Galatia, to Lyconium, to Derby. And this is Acts 13 and Acts 14. And then he's going to return. And think about some of the things, that the persecutions at Antioch, Iconium, at Lystra, and yet he goes back to these cities to preach the Lord Jesus Christ to these cities. And again, so you understand, uh, this would be the, what we would understand to be what is Turkey. And earlier I said he went into Phrygia. That was not during his first um, missionary journey, but you can see where he goes. And again, Galatia, Antioch, Pisidia, Pamphylia, the, on the island of uh, Cyprus. His second missionary journey, he's going to go a lot further because he's going to go. We'll read these verses of scripture. He's gonna, he's wanted, he wants to go north. He's in Turkey, wants to go north, and the Holy Spirit forbid him to do that. And then he crosses over the Aegean Sea, comes into the northern part of Greece, which is Macedonia. It's going to go to places like Philippi, then Thessalonica, then ultimately Berea, come down to what is called Achaia, Athens, and then Corinth before uh, heading uh, back. So those are his uh, missionary journeys. The circumstances for traveling to Philippi, if you will, and go with me in your Bibles to Acts 16. This gives you the historical record and the historical context of why the Apostle Paul went specifically to Philippi. As I, I said, you had the first missionary journey, and again, at home, go back in your Bibles, begin reading in Acts 13, Read Acts 14, and you will uh, see where he went. And again, what is that is equivalent to is modern-day Turkey. And just imagine and think, modern-day Turkey, Ephesus, Colossae, Hierapolis, Antioch of Pisidia. The, 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 this is the epicenter, the epicenter of the beginning of the church, the body of Christ, of, of churches, Christian churches, preaching God's grace. And today, if you would look and study what is modern-day Turkey, you understand that less than 1%, and that might be on the generous side, are true Bible-believing Christians. Look what has happened over the course of, of time. Acts chapter number 16, beginning here in verse number 6. So in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse number 6, we read these words. And when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, again, modern-day Turkey, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word nation. Again, when we think of the word Asia today, we, we think of the, the Middle East. We, we think of the Far East, rather. We think of, you know, China and those places. Asia here is not talking upon that. Asia here is talking upon the issue of and dealing with what is modern-day uh, Turkey. And after they were come to Mycenae, they, they, they attempted to go to Bithynia. But Bithynia is... It's still in modern-day Turkey, but it is south of the Black Sea. And what? They were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. 
And they had set, and that's verse number six, they attempted, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And then passing by Mycenae, they came to Troas, the, the western part of Asia at that time, western part of modern-day Turkey. And notice what happens. And so we see these circumstances. They're traveling around. They're preaching the gospel. But the Holy Spirit forbids them to go due north. And now you come down to verse number 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him. So again, please understand when we talk about this time, you have to understand and realize that we do not have a, they did not at this time have a complete Bible. So, so God worked through dreams and trances or visions. God's not working that way today. There are many people who want to talk about that. We have a complete scripture. We have a complete word of God, the word of God that is absolutely complete. And God speaks to us today through the word of God. We need to study and understand God's word. So at this time, they did not, not have a complete scripture. We, we know later when the apostle Paul is going to deal with and go to Philippi, and you can see this in Acts 17, and then go to Thessalonica. Philippi is Acts 16, Acts 17 is Thessalonica. And again, the, the unbelieving Jews are going to get really run them out of town. He's going to drop down into Berea. And what the Bereans do? They search the scriptures to see what Paul was talking about and whether these things would be so. But what scriptures did they have? They didn't have 2 Timothy. They didn't have 1 Timothy. They didn't have a complete Bible. They searched the scriptures that they had, no doubt the Old Testament scriptures. So we need to understand and, and see this. So here at this time and at this point, you don't have a complete scripture. So the Apostle Paul received what we refer to as the Macedonian vision, the Macedonian call, prayed him saying, come over and help us. And what do we read in verse number 10? And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored, and that would include the, the human writer of the book of Acts, which is Luke, to go into Macedonia, surely gathering that the Lord hath called us to preach the gospel unto them. He's in the vision, the man from Macedonia is beseeching the apostle Paul to come over and to help us. And, how, and he, we knew this was of God, so we endeavored immediately to leave and go there. And how did he help them? By preaching the gospel of salvation to these people. And local churches then are going to be established. The church at Philippi, we have a, an epistle written to them. The church at dealing with Th Thessalonians. Late, later on, he's going to go down to Achaia, and there's going to be an epistle written to the, the Corinthians. He's going to go to Athens. He's going to go to Berea. And what's he doing in these places? He is preaching the salvation gospel of God's love and of God's grace. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the, that's the message that we as local churches and the missionaries we send out need to keep preaching. And as individuals keep preaching that salvation message, the message of hope, the message of God's love, and, and obviously the message of God's grace. So Acts 16 
shows us in verse nine, uh, 10, then verse number 11, therefore loosing from Tro uh, Troas, they went straightway, they across the Aegean Sea, and they're gonna go into the northern part of what we would know is Greece, what was called in dealing with Macedonia. So if when you're reading in First Thessalonians or someplace else, it talks about Macedonia and Achaia. Macedonia is the northern part of what is Greece, and Achaia was the southern part. The four major events then at Philippi, and we see this, you're in Acts uh, 16 if you drop down to verse number 14. Because verse 12 says, And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia, in a colony, and we uh, were in that city abiding certain days. And so the Apostle Paul is going to go into that city. We have the historical entrance. What happened, the historical entrance of the Apostle Paul and of his message and preaching there. We see in Acts 16, 14, and again, where he's at, we know is, as I said, the northern part of Greece. He has now stepped into Euro the continent of Europe, by the way. And Lydia is the first individual who is saved from the continent of Europe. Acts 16, uh, verse number uh, 14 we see. Then we see in verses uh, 16 to verse number 19, the casting out of a demon. There was this woman. Do you read this in this account in Acts 16, 16, 19? Here's this woman, a damsel. She, she was going around following Paul. She had the spirit of divination. She had a demon. And saying that here is a man that is preaching the way of salvation. And of course, for her masters, this was much gained by her soothsaying. Verse 17, the same followed Paul and us and cried, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which showed unto us the way of salvation. And she did this many days. But ultimately, Paul, being grieved, turned and cast the demon out of her. And because of that, the masters saw that their gains were lost, going to take them to the magistrates and telling them, these being Jews, to exceedingly trouble our city. And what happens to them? Paul and Silas are beaten and imprisoned. And remember, you got to keep something in, in mind here. You got to keep in the context that Paul received that vision to, from the man of Macedonia. Come over, cross over the Aegean Sea and help us. And immediately we endeavored. And what, what happens? Yes, praise God, you have the salvation of Lydia. Praise God as Paul was going around and preaching salvation. But then he's beaten. He's beaten. And as you read this, look, pay particular attention. And we're going to find out, if you read down in Acts 16, 35 to 40, that he was a Roman citizen, and what they just did to him was absolutely wrong, and you could not, you could not beat a, a, a fellow uncondemned Roman. But they did, because they didn't know, they didn't ask. And the Apostle Paul, as you begin reading in verse 22, the, the multitude rose up together against them, Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes, you see, if you go back, and, and you'll see this over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, nation of Israel, under the law, 40 stripes save one. They go to 40, but they didn't want to miscount, so most times they stopped at 39. And if you look over in 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul, five times received I, 40 stripes save one. 195 stripes Beatens with a whip. What? Why? Because he was bad. No, because he preached the gospel of God's grace. Here, 
these individuals are not going to follow the Mosaic law. That's why it says they had laid many stripes upon them. They cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Whoever received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Look at verse number 25. And as you read it, just let's just, let's just pause for a moment. Did the apostle Paul complain to God? Hey, hey, God, I received this vision of this man from Macedonia, and we endeavored immediately to leave Troas, to leave what is modern-day Turkey, travel over the Aegean Sea and come and preach to them. And this is what happens. I get beaten up. I'm imprisoned. Did he do that? Did he complain to God? No, no. What's the next verse of Scripture? And at midnight... Paul and Silas praised and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And what you have to realize, that word heard in the original language doesn't mean that someone was singing and you just kind of heard them. The illustration that I would give you here at the church, it would be like if we were singing and some individuals are walking up and down Union Avenue and they, they come to the doors and their ears are to the doors because now they're hearing and they're paying close attention to what the songs were saying. That, that's, it's, that's what it's talking. It's not just casual hearing. They were a testimony. That's why we don't have the time to talk about this, but that's why there's a difference between joy, joy, and happiness. And this is a clear biblical example of that. So we see the Apostle Paul in prison, and then we see the salvation of the Philippian jailer. And again, what we're talking about are four major events that occur here at the city of Philippi. And suddenly, verse 26, there was a great earthquake. So the foundation of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened, everyone's bands were loose. And the prisoner, the keeper of the, the prison, awaking out of his sleep, seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, he would have killed himself. Why? Because he's a Roman guard. He would have been found derelict of his duty, so he was, they would have killed him. He said, but it was an earthquake. They, they wouldn't have cared. He was derelict in their minds. And Paul's going to tell them, stop. Do no harm. We're all here. And then in verse 30, he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do? Do you understand? What must I do that I can be saved? What's he asking? What work can I perform that I can be saved, that I can have salvation? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. So we see these four major events here at the city of Philippi. And again, all, all of this is because of the Macedonian vision that we read about in Acts chapter 16. The Macedonian called the vision that he saw of the man from Macedonia beseeching them to come over and to help us. And he did. And the help was in the form of preaching, not a social gospel, but preaching the gospel of the grace of God and salvation by grace through faith alone in the finished work of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world to die for you and for your sins, for my sins, the sins of the whole world, and by simple belief and trust, not good works, not religious activity, you can be saved. 
And if you're listening, you've never trusted him, I pray that you listen to God's words, not my words, not any pastor's words. Go back to the word of God and see over and over again in the Pauline epistles that salvation is by grace through faith alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, Romans uh, 6, 23, just to name a few. Well, before we talked about these three missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul, and I specifically ended where I, at that point, to talk about in Acts chapter number uh, 20. And what you have really from Acts chapter number 21 on to 28, you have the Apostle Paul with his missionary journeys really complete. Three missionary journeys from Acts 13 to Acts chapter 20. And you had Paul's desire to go to the city of Jerusalem. In fact, he meets with the leaders of the church at Ephesus at a city, Miletus. Again, part of what is modern-day Turkey. And he tells them there's, there's a spiritual attack coming from the outside and from within. you you got to feed the church of God. you got to feed them with God's word. Build them up in the, in the faith. Build them up in God's grace. And of course, as you continue reading, what these le- and these are leaders, so the attack is coming from the outside world, but also from the inside, no doubt, from within their own leaders, leadership. And what do we see? They saw most of all that they would never see Paul again because Paul is going to the city of Jerusalem. He doesn't know the things that are going to befall him there say that the Holy Ghost witnessed that these bonds and afflictions abide me. And you can read this in Acts chapter 20, about verse number 23, 20. But none of these things move me. They don't move me. Neither do I count my life dear to myself that I might finish my course with joy. So he's going to go to Jerusalem. Even though you have later on, Acts chapter number 21, you have the issue of the prophecy of Agabus, and you will see, and if you read this, it's, it's found in Acts chapter number uh, uh, 21, verses 10 down through verse number 13. And when he goes to Jerusalem, he doesn't hide out in some rented apartment. He's out, he's seen in public. And what happens? They, they, they saw him with Trophimus, who the, the, if there were Jews from Asia, and they knew who this guy was. They knew he was a Gentile, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the court of the Jews where he was not allowed because he was a Gentile. As I shared before, there was, there was the court of the Gentiles, and there was the court of the Jews. And on the plaque, and again, what does a wall do? A wall divides. A wall separates. And the plaque basically said, if you of any nation willingly and knowingly come over this wall, you're, you're, you're a dead person. Well, these people didn't go after Trophimus. They went after Paul. Read about it. Acts chapter 21, verse number uh, 28, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man that teach all men everywhere. Again, we had talked about the issue of truthification. Here's a classic example. They're saying things, everyone's going to run over to what he is saying, but some of these things that they're saying is, is not truth. Because they want truth to be like lies and fiction, and fiction to be like truth. Verse 29, for they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus and Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul brought in the temple. They supposed 
The city then is going to be moved. They're going to run together. What are they going to do? They're going to shut the doors of the temple. They're going to make sure Paul's on the outside and the doors are shut. Why? Because they didn't want to defile the temple. Doesn't one of the Ten Commandments that the Jews were supposed to follow say what? Thou shalt not kill. See, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Here's hypocrisy at its finest. And they would have killed him right then and there. But the Romans hear this uproar. Centurion's going to come running down because they were in charge of the city. What's going on? And the Jews leave off the beating of Paul. And the Romans, you can read this, they don't, they don't know who this person is. So he's arrested in Jerusalem later because there, there was a conspiracy of more than, of more than 40 Jewish assassins. Who, who made a conspiracy together, they would not eat or drink till they knocked off the Apostle Paul. And you say, why such a great number, 40? Why not just a few? Because they knew at this point that Paul was being protected and guarded by Rome. And it would take that much and that many individuals to knock, knock off. They would, have, they would have had to fight the Roman soldiers to get to Paul because he was their prisoner. And so he's going to be transferred to Caesarea, and then there's two years of silence in Caesarea. And then the, the, the verdict is going to come down because he had appear, appealed to Caesar, he was going to be sent to Rome. That's Acts chapter 27. And then there's a shipwreck on the island of Malta. You could read about that. And then when he finally comes to Rome, notice if you turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 28. And you say, why are you going through this? Because I'm trying to establish some background. Some background understanding to this epistle. The epistle to the Philippians. We have his entrance. We have those four major events. It was a part of the second missionary journey. Then you're going to see his third missionary journey. And then later it's Jerusalem, Caesarea to Rome. Why does that become important? And we'll share that in a moment. Acts chapter 28, verse 16, and when we had come to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that, that kept him. And then if you drop down to verse number 30, and Paul dwelt two whole years, so really two years, two plus years, dealing with Jerusalem, Caesarea, two silent years, and then coming to Rome. So over four years, of the life of the Apostle Paul, who's going to be spent in prison, not because he did anything wrong, but because he was preaching the truth of God's word and the grace of God and showing that there had been a dispensational change. God was no longer dealing with the nation. And when Paul was arrested in Jerusalem, remember, the temple stood. That temple in 70 A.D. would be destroyed by Titus, a Roman general. Why? Because the issue is clear. God's program has clearly, clearly changed. And so then we come to the fact that he has spent his whole time, two years, in his own hired house under house arrest. And look at what we see here. There are four epistles that are, that are written during this, during this time. Four epistles that are written during Paul's first Roman imprisonment. Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, 
and Philemon. These four epistles. Each is somewhere, and we have those verses listed on the screen for those who are watching. Those who are listening will share some of these verses of Scripture. But these verses of Scripture show there's a reference to, the, to a bond. That's a literal bond. He's literally under house arrest. He is going to be bound to a Roman soldier. And that's going to become very important. And exciting things are going to happen because of Paul's Roman imprisonment. And we'll see that later on in Philippians chapter 1. But Philippians chapter 1, verse number 7. Even as meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace, both in my bonds. Book of Ephesians. If you turn back to the Ephesians, well, right across the page. And when you look at Ephesians 4.1, he was never a prisoner of Rome. He was always a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Ephesians 6.19, and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, for which the mystery of the gospel, I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Over in the book of Colossians, and in chapter number 4, in Colossians chapter number uh, 4, we read these words. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, and verse number 4. Withal praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. And can I just say something? Listen, Paul is not praying. I read one commentary where he, he believed it was teaching that Paul was praying for a deliverance. Paul's not praying for deliverance. He's not praying for the open doors to be delivered from his house of rest. What's he praying for? Withal also praying for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. In other words, a door of utterance. There, there are many doors. And on the other doors, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 9, there are many adversaries. Paul didn't want to see the adversaries. He wanted to see the doors of opportunity, the door of utterance to preach the gospel. And there's an individual or individuals who were there. And we're going to, like I said, we'll see this in Philippians chapter 1. Because for 24 hours a day, for two full years, Paul was bound to a Roman soldier. Also, and we could show you this in the book of Acts, and also cross-reference with the next verse that we want to read, if you go over to Philemon, that anyone who wanted to come and talk to the Apostle Paul, Rome allowed that to happen. So even, the word, even though Paul was bound, the word of God is never bound. So when he prays and you read upon that, the open door of utterance, not the open door of deliverance. And he, he wanted to make known this great gospel message and he talks about walking wisdom to them who are out. Without, what are they Without. 
there without the Lord Jesus Christ. They're on, they're on the outside because they're unsaved. They're being blinded by the lies of Satan, the small God, the small G of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Read it. I pray that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Philemon. Notice Philemon, verse number 8, verse number 9. So in Philemon, verses 8 and verse number 9. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoy thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the age, listen, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, who I've begotten in my bonds. Do you understand what that means? So here is Paul in Rome, bound to a Roman soldier. God, through Paul, is going to write four epistles. And we can show you that he's going to entrust three of those epistles with one individual or two individuals dealing with Tychius and Onesimus himself. And then one epistle, the epistle to the Philippians, to another individual, Epaphroditus. He didn't send them through any kind of mail. He, he had couriers who were believers who were entrusted with God's word. Did they do, did they do their responsibility? Did they carry that? Yes. How do you know? We're, you're reading them today. You, you have four epistles that were written in Rome while Paul was a Roman prisoner bound to a Roman soldier for two full years, and God wrote those words through the Apostle Paul, and he preserved them so that in the 21st century, you, you have them and could read them. And clearly, in verse number 10, Onesimus, Onesimus, who was a runaway slave, from the city of Colossae, runs away. His master is Philemon. The church at Colossae met in the home of Philemon, and his paths cross with the Apostle Paul in Rome, and he leads him to the saving knowledge of Christ. And he's going to send him back. Maybe when we're done with the book of Philippians, we'll look at this epistle. This is... Philemon is a marvelous epistle. We need, to, we need God's word in our life to understand it. So these four epistles, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, were all written during Paul's first Roman imprisonment. Of course, we realize, not the point of this study, but this is not his last Roman imprisonment because over in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, the word, the word of God is not bound. I'm bound, but the word of God is not bound. And what's going to happen in 2 Timothy chapter 4? He's going to find out the time of his departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. What's going to happen? The apostle Paul is going to be martyred. And because he's a Roman citizen, he could not be crucified. He's going to be beheaded as a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ because he's preaching God's truth, folks. And he continued, and he didn't wave the surrender flag. None of these things moved him. He didn't count his life dear to himself. We're going to see and study one of the great verses of Scripture. There's so many in the book of Philippians. 
For to me to live is Christ and die is gain. Because he knew what it meant to be absent from the body than to be present with the Lord. To be present with the Lord. And that's what we need to understand and see the truth of God's word. So if we go back with me to the book of Philippians. And what we're going to continue doing as I, as I shared. We're going to go through the book of Philippians, not necessarily verse by verse. But we want to cover and study the book of Philippians. I want to talk to you and, and share with you what, what I believe is the theme of this epistle. Lord willing, we'll get to that next time. I want to show you the different words that, that are so important in this epistle. And look where this epistle sits, right between Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Three of the four, three of the four first Roman imprisonment epistles are, are together. And I do have a, this, a card that explains the difference between the canonical order, the order of the canon of Scripture, and the chronological order. Because Philemon is not the last epistle that God wrote through Paul. It is 2 Timothy. It's important to understand that. If you would like a copy of that, please contact us here at the church. So if you go back to Philippians uh, chapter number 1. So we want to talk about the theme of these epistles, because I think it's important, these four epistles. And I want to share with you an outline of the book of Philippians and then start looking into this great epistle. This great important epistle of God's word, and that's why he writes this. And again, so as you're reading this, and, and one of the key words is the word rejoice, or the word joy. Don't you want to realize and understand what the circumstances are? He, he's not sitting and writing this on some you know, luxurious beach or some vacation place. He endured and is enduring his Roman imprisonment, his first Roman imprisonment. Also, look what happened from Acts 21 over Jerusalem, Caesarea, then on the shipwreck, then what he did on the island of Malta. And if you look at the island of Malta today, there's a place called St. Paul's Bay. Why? Because that's where they believe that Paul and the others washed ashore. And they listened to Paul. He said, stay, stay in the ship and you'll be okay. You leave the ship and you're on your own. And they listened. And all the 276 souls came ashore. And Paul preached to those people at Malta. You see, God's word is so powerful. It, it, it's Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. It's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? See, another key word in this book is, is the word gospel. The good news. Paul goes into the continent of Europe, into Philippi, and he preaches, and Lydia is the first one of Europe to be saved. Then Paul was beaten, and he and Silas are singing praises to God, and they're singing hymns and praises. They're not complaining. And the prisoners heard them. You have a first... Him sing on the island of and, and dealing with Greece. See how powerful God's word is? Changes lives. If you know not the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal savior, 
Romans 6.23 tells us the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. You need to trust him before it's eternally too late. We know what's going on in the world with the pandemic and seeing the numbers of death. And Do you know the Lord? It's not a pandemic, it could be an accident. And if you know the Lord as your personal Savior, it's absent from the body and is present with the Lord. Won't you trust him right now, right where you're at, before it's eternally too late? Because if you leave this world without trust in Christ, you're not going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. You're going to be absent from this body and absent from the Lord throughout all, all eternity. It's your choice. I pray that you will believe and trust him. And for those who have saved or already trust the Lord Jesus Christ, praise God. Continue to grow in God's word and God's grace and allow, the, allow this word to be working effectually in you that belief. Again, I encourage you to be reading this epistle as we go through this study. If you have any questions, please contact us here at the church. Truly, I want to thank you for listening, being a part of our evening fellowship hour. We pray for God's continued blessings on this country. May God bless America. May God bless you. And may God bless and continue to bless the ministry of the Altoona Bible Church. Thank